From downtown, this is Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, Trey had to flee the country, but the show must go on. And is your N64 game worth 1.5 milli? All my games are worth 1.5 milli in my heart. Welcome to Nintendo Main, episode 279. I am your host this week, and Jeremy Mikowski. Uh, actually, hold on. I'm gonna try again. Not Welcome as easy to- as you thought it was, huh? Oh, I never thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> I've actually been nervous about it. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Nintendo Main Podcast, the podcast for people like you who like to look at their games and pretend like they're worth millions of dollars. Uh, I'm one of your hosts this week, Jeremy. Blessed are those who grind accidentally, Mikowski. I'm John, one to play, one to keep knitter. And Trey is gone this week. This is a Nintendo yeah. main first, doing an episode without Trey. I think we've done it basically every other way, but yeah, this is the first time Trey hasn't been here, but the show must go on. So we are here to keep it going for you and get you the Nintendo news that you like the best. Um, yeah. Also to talk about the stuff that we like to play and what we like to do, because that's what we always do. Yeah. But, uh, Trey is off in Abu Dhabi this week. Yeah, he's uh, literally no, no in joke. Abu Dhabi. Because uh, he decided that he wanted to, uh, he's doing a real world tour of Hitman locations. (laughs) Before he experiences any game, Trey likes to go to all the different locations. We didn't tell you. We tried to keep that a secret from you, but it just didn't work out this week. He had to go to Abu Dhabi before he played (laughs) Hitman. He's going to have the best review. After all the episodes where John's talked about Hitman 3, Trey's going to bring you Hitman 3 real life experience. Well, (laughs) I hope not, actually. (laughs) <laughs> but no how crazy you know it wasn't that long ago that we we're talking about we can't do anything at all and now trays in the uae yeah but is there because we're, we're working on a movie so i'm one of the writers on the movie and uh, he is the sound person on the movie and so i think that's just really cool that we get to work on a project together outside that of nintendo cool. main even and we'll tell you more about that in in the future yeah right now he's probably not supposed to talk about a whole lot i imagine you're not either but right yeah, yeah, I look forward to uh, experiencing this project in some way, whether I get to actually see the movie or uh, Come to the premiere. eventually. That would be cool, too. Because I know movies take a little while to put together after they film them, so right. maybe by then I can go to the premiere. What you been up to this week, John? Anything new going on in your life? Uh, not a whole lot. I've just been working on uh, the next movie. I'm writing the next film, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to play games this week. Just been writing, basically. How about yourself? Oh, actually, this was the first week I feel like in a long time I've been able to play some games. I didn't really play a lot, but yeah, this week there's, it's finally getting to where I think I've got a little bit extra time where I don't have to be divided between the two houses and continuing to move. We're turning our, we're turning in our keys this Thursday. So that will no longer be on my plate as of next week when we we record. I think that's nice. It feels weird kind of dividing your attention between two houses, even if you're you're not actively living in both. And uh, it just kind of felt like it was going to be 
close the door on one. Oh yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. I'd like to hand in that key and just walk away. <laughs> but a lot of that has to do with just all the all the minutia of moving out of a place and making sure it's clean and make sure all your shit's out of there. So that's been pretty much it for me. But yeah, other other than that, work and uh, a little bit of gaming. So how about we move on to uh, what we've been playing this week? Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, it feels so weird not having Trey here. I really kind of wanted to talk to Trey about this, but maybe he'll talk to me about it later. But Mario Golf, I finally beat that spot that I was stuck on for the last couple of weeks. And it's the part that Trey was complaining about too. Um, Well, he was last week, he was complaining about speed golf, but I was stuck on the second level adventure mode and in that mode there's nine holes but you're playing on a course and you you hit the ball you know from the tee off position and then wherever it lands you just keep hitting it from there so even if you you know you get you can pick whatever hole you want to go and you can go whatever order but they give you 40 strokes total to finish the course and i was stuck for so long and then uh at the top of the show i said uh blessed are those who grind accidentally well luckily this game has rpg light elements and because I kept failing over and over again, I was actually leveling up in the meantime. I was able to level up some of my stats. So mostly I just focused on uh, my drive at first, trying to get a really long drive. But then I kind of looked at control and spin. And once you have those things under control, then uh, then the course became a lot easier. Like it wasn't easy, easy, but I cleared it with uh, two or three strokes left. So that was, uh, that was a very important moment to me this week, finally being nice. past that point. Because I really want to experience this game in its fullest and i was starting to get really discouraged that maybe i would quit playing it so so you got a little bit of fuel to keep going in this game now yeah i do one thing i did learn for anyone listening you want to make sure you finish these rounds that you're playing um and so it's definitely a temptation if you're on the fourth hole or fifth hole to just be like ah, i'm just gonna restart the round but if you do that you don't get the experience points so make sure you end ra- you know you end a match or you end round and then it'll compile your experience points and those are important so definitely do that don't just quit unless you're on like the first hole and you want to quit that's fine but um i didn't want to i wasn't really wanting to gloat with trey but i did want to tell him that i beat speed golf my first try (laughs) which was what he was stuck on and i think that had a lot to do with the, the grinding because by the time i got to it he had uh he had managed to get through the part i was stuck on much earlier so as a result i imagine he needs to play more and build its levels but yeah i got through speed golf my first try and it, it is frustrating like he was saying so on speed golf you play through full 18 holes and you're competing against the two people you start the game out with which is a uh, charge and chuck and the boo and uh, you have a time limit for every three holes and if you don't i think it's something like 11 minutes for every three holes so it's kind of crazy because when you think about it you're spending like over an hour on these matches and if you fail you have to restart it so i can see why <laughs> trey yeah. was frustrated and uh i and i'm not gonna lie i got really i was starting to get really nervous on hole 16 17 because i'm like well i've already put like 45 minutes into this game i better not fail doesn't it make it more satisfying though when you succeed but if the game is lasting 45 minutes or an hour and you actually pull through it does but i don't know i don't have that kind of time like (laughs) i'm looking at that and i'm like well that is satisfying but it does kind of feel like artificial inflation because they could easily make it to where you could save or you could you know restart a hole and it wouldn't necessarily make the game too easy saving in a golf game i don't know if i've ever heard of that but that seems like a good idea every mario golf game has had it until now. Oh, really? I've yeah. played too many of them. Well, so you can't I think save everyone, in this one. I mean, you can save, but you can't save like in the match or at the hole. Mm. You know, you're just saving your overall progress. Oh, got it. 
But uh, another thing that happened that's been happening in this game is um, I always have all the money I need. Like every time I go to a new shop to buy new equipment, because you also do that, you like buy new golf clubs and you buy um, gear. You just buy like hat and shoes, I think is what it is, or shirt and shoes that have different uh, effects on how you move through the terrain and speed golf. Every time I've done that, I've literally been able to buy everything with thousands of coins left to spare. So it's just like, oh, you know, they kind of make it look like you're going to pick and choose which of these important new items you want. And then you can just literally speak, click, 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 just go down the list, buy everything and still have all the coins I could possibly need. So that's probably having to do with the grinding as well, but you know, I'll accept it. In Monster Hunter uh, Rise, this was happening for me for like the first 50 hours I played. And then all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> there is like an exponential rise in what stuff costs. I'm sure that was intentional based on the title. But yeah, eventually I was like, oh, now I can't even afford to upgrade my sword. Whereas before I could afford to buy all this stuff. So I don't know if there's some sort of curve like that that's going to happen. But in the meantime, I'm just going to save those, save those coins and hope that I can get through this game because I want to play the boss battles. As Trey was saying last week, there's supposed to, be, supposed to be some pretty cool boss battles. I haven't seen one yet. I haven't even seen any sort of hint of one yet, but I'm hoping I do eventually. And then I'll tell everyone about it on the podcast. One other thing about this game that's kind of funny, and I figured this out from watching the video game Donkey. He did a he did a video about Mario Golf, and it was it was pretty funny as usual. But he was he was on the he'd be like on the green or what is it yeah the green and it would have him set up to putt but he would switch to a different club and still hit it like he'd switch to like a wedge or a driver and just hit it really shy of the hole and then he'd still be getting these chip in shots so i actually started doing that and it's easier sometimes than putting so i don't know if that was their intention but it works really well so if you got like, like 50 middle. feet to go to the hole and they've got you on a putt just use one of your other clubs just be careful because it's really easy to over to overshoot but um, i've just gotten to where i'm like just shooting really shy of the hole don't even worry about that spin and it really works well for the approach so man i'm talking about golf like i understand it it's great <laughs> i wish well, there was like a two player golf, I guess. yeah yeah well it's mario golf so it's a lot more approachable <laughs> but i think that this game would be a little more fun if you could play the adventure mode two-player i think that'd be cool if they added that somehow in an update how would you uh, envision that going i just think you'd be like it'd be kind of like mario kart when you're trying to unlock courses together like if one of you gets gold and you know everybody gets gold you know for the progress yeah. of the to do. i would love that um also i mean just the the multiplayer in general is really fun and i want to do some more of that and that just comes down to friends being ready jesse if you're listening let's play some more golf trey when you get back let's play some more golf or let's play golf while you're there i don't know can you do they let you play golf there who knows i don't know the rules <laughs> but anyway yeah that's mario golf i think that's pretty good um speaking of grinding as i was doing in mario golf i've also yeah, been i was a lot thinking of... that your title was referring to, to tony hawk oh yeah well it is so... oh wait no no it wasn't but in a way it was because i kept forgetting to upgrade my character and when i did it made it a lot easier so yeah that is kind of the thing so i'm on uh i've got like two goals to complete to unlock roswell so i'm really close to the end on my playthrough with tony hawk i found that i really like just which i'm sure was their intention but i just like to like throw this game on when i have like 10 minutes here 20 minutes there like this seems great for that yeah and in fact i don't even sometimes i don't even think when i'm playing it i just kind of zone out because i've got more i've gotten so comfortable with the controls now that i'll just i'll just be sitting there and i'm like thinking about something else i'm like on autopilot and this game is so good for that yeah it's the tony hawk 
I mean, this is the best edition of Tony Hawk ever, specifically on the Switch, just because of that, because the pick up and play nature of it. Um, and I feel the same way. It's just, if you want to, if you need a feeling of satisfaction, if your life is oh, not going great that day, pick up and play Tony Hawk on your Switch wherever you're at for 10 minutes, and you'll feel instantly that much better. It's just so satisfying, especially when you get those long strings combos and everything. You pull that off, and you're, you're good. You got a little boost to keep you going throughout your day. Oh, yeah. Once you figure out those specials, because once you start doing your upgrades and stuff, like your balance and your rail, you know, your ability to stay on rails longer and stuff mm-hmm. increases. And then that's when it becomes fun because then you're literally just tricking from the beginning of the level. As soon as you start, you're like grinding. And then right. Like you you do notice the difference. Re- yes. Sometimes certain games, you you up your character, their stats, whatever here, there, you don't only notice. But mm-hmm. when, for instance, like there was a, an item that I had to grab going off of a ramp and it was up really high in the air, I would just go back to the menu and trade my stats out to up my, up my, my jump ability. Oh. So then I would be able to get it. I forgot you could do that where you could like mm-hmm. basically cannibalize your stats and put them elsewhere whenever necessary. Yeah, um, you can always trade it back too. It's not permanent. Well, that's cool. I need to do that because I'm trying to get the secret tape on like fourth or fifth level and that's the one where you have to go from the roof to the roof to roof and get it up in, in the between and i just keep barely missing that tape when i go which up. level is it it's not the mall i think it's down uh no is it downtown it's the one where you start out oh yeah the one it's the one where you have to get the popcorn buckets yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's that the one was tough to get that's one of the hardest secret tapes and then the one on downhill jams really hard too i'm having some trouble getting i that, just but. got that one yesterday and it took me i want to say probably a total of two hours yeah i think that one's also going to require some stat manipulation because it requires this transfer that i can never do so that one i know the transfer that you're thinking of because mm-hmm. you always fall down that really yeah. long deep pit you look at it and you, you say um you think you have to go move your, your character over more than mm-hmm. upward that's the way that it looks but i discovered that you actually have to go angle it to go upward more more than over and once you get that like if you turn him so that he, he's going basically right toward the corner of the ramp mm-hmm. and of course like you, have to have your, you have to have your full special and everything and do an aerial yep but if you do that aim toward the corner of the ramp not toward the side you'll get it okay well, I've, I've probably put at least an hour into just that by itself, trying to get yep. that tape. So I'm going to keep at it. But yeah, I'll follow your advice. That's because, yeah, you really think you you're like, OK, well, that's a long that's a wide gap. So I got to like come at it from a really mm-hmm. acute angle or whatever. But right. yeah, I'll just try to get some more air because there's a whole lot of spots. And in, in fact, you have to grind across a rail even to get to that spot in the first place. So right. just try to trick on my way there. You don't. So you don't have to grind across the rail to. Well, not, you do actually. There's two rails. The first mm-hmm. one, it looks like you have to, but maybe, but you don't. You can just go up the hill. But you're mm-hmm. talking about the second one. You do have to. I am talking about the second one. one. Yeah. 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 You can just go straight up that hill, which is really weird. Like, and I remember that was in the uh, the N64 version as well, where you just hold forward mm-hmm. and you're going up this crazy steep hill. Oh, okay. Well, I, don't, I guess I don't need grind to get up here. But yeah, I didn't. I I figured I would like this game, you know, because it's Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually see myself playing it this much. Like, this is like. This is what I want to play right now. Like when I'm when I turn on my switch, is kind of what I go for first. So maybe it's just because I want to beat Roswell. I also really want to play Tony Hawk too, and I've I know I've played it before, but I've never played all the way through it. Like that's just one of those okay. games I like. I missed for whatever reason. Like I own it. In fact, it, I think I've talked about it on a previous episode, but it's the first game that I burned. You know, I legitimately mm. bootlegged on my own and was able to get to run on my PS1. So I've owned this game before. In fact, I also own it on the N64. I bought it a couple years ago. I have it, but I don't know for whatever reason I've never played through it. So 
So you're playing through this sequentially. You're doing all the way through one, and then you're going to do all the way through two. Is that it? I think so, yeah. I mean, and I'm not like being a total completionist here. I'm not going to go through with every character and get everything, um, maybe eventually, but I'm not. that's not like a, a requirement to play too. I just I figured I already started with Tony Hawk. I'm going to see it through, at least unlock Roswell, even if I don't get gold and, or anything like that but once i do that then i then i feel good about moving on to the other game but yeah tony hawk it's great it belonged on the switch the whole time i, I imagine porting it was a bit of a pain but i'm glad they did i mean even if you look back they ported these games for the n64 back in the day and that required some interesting like you know some interesting compression and stuff to fit things in so and concessions like cutting the songs yeah which i don't know they probably what they like cut frame rate a little bit and probably like slightly lower one. polygon models or something yeah so they the character models have, have fewer polygons you can really notice it when you look at the faces close up because mm. sometimes the faces look just look pretty janky to be honest especially i mentioned before the eyes look weird like yeah. you can see the whites around the entire iris which looks like they're like i don't know zombified or something like those 90s metal bands that would wear those contact lenses yes yeah it's <laughs> a <laughs> so, um, but luckily you're not looking at the faces so much. You're, the camera's behind the characters, so it really doesn't matter. But where I did notice a big difference was when I was playing a split screen two player. It looks it looks really pretty jaggy. Like it's not terrible. It's definitely still playable because it's Tony Hawk yeah. and it's an amazing game with yeah, tight yeah, controls and everything. Yeah, it's not that important at all. But it so. is there. You did notice the difference. Mm. This doesn't look like Tony Hawk. This looks like a weird guy. I don't know. Did you have anything else you want to say about Tony Hawk? Anything? special that you achieved this week how far are you in this i'm about 79 percent through number one and i think i was at 71 percent through number two so i've been bouncing back and forth pretty evenly. did you unlock uh roswell oh so you're just going through like completing goals now like that yeah. you didn't do the first time yeah i've unlocked all the levels in both games but oh I'm, wow okay i'm going back and just trying to complete each level 100%. Have you been playing with your creative character? Or do you have anyone specifically? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I would have done that too. Yeah. And uh, I said before, the, the creative character, I think, is also kind of lacking in this game. Like, I remember playing Tony Hawk 3, the creative character. I was able to get that character to look a lot like me. And you, you could adjust the height and everything mm -hmm. on that. But this one, you can't adjust the height. I thought that was weird too. Yeah. Or the body type. So you're stuck with whatever body type, you know, average average body type. And so I thought that was kind of disappointing. But, you know, that's it's all right because the game plays well. Mm. It is It is weird. It's like, why would they go backwards? In 2001 or 2002, whatever yeah, 2002 when Tony Hawk came out. Uh, Tony Hawk mm. 3. Yeah, it had far more robust character creation. But there is a park mm. creation on this as well, and I haven't even tried that, but I am interested. I toyed around with it a little bit. It's okay. That was, that was also in 3, though, wasn't it? Was it? I think, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like something that if you wanted to get really into it, you can get pretty into it. But that's a lot of, a lot of time to spend. I'd rather just jump in and play for 15 minutes here and there. Same. Um, so yeah, that is, I think, I don't know if I said that, but my plan for two is to actually use my creative character for that. And also I kind of want to play through all of one with my creative character, but yeah, he looks, he kind of looks like me, except he's definitely way skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I was like, yeah, come on, let me put a little bit of pudge on him, but it wouldn't let me. Yeah, me too. My guy also, looks like I'm he's... not that tall. <laughs> I wish yeah. I was, but I'm not. I tried to make mine, since I really couldn't make it look like me, I tried to at least go with some kind of a theme. So I decked him out in clothes with colors of the original NES. So I have him with like a gray hoodie that ha has a okay. red hood on it and like red and white and black socks. Oh, he's like Famicom. I think he's more, he's more, he's more NES. Yeah. Because Famicom has the gold and stuff. I guess that red's, th the red's throw me off here. 
the logo was red. But yeah, that's what I've been trying to do with, with my Tony Hawk character. I also started playing the third mode, which I hadn't really dipped into at all. Um, the third mode of the game is like you where you can play every level and it will record your stats, your, your score, and post it against everyone else in the world. So that's kind of cool. So just so score I, attack. Score attack for every different level, yeah. So like I played the warehouse and I think I placed like number 1,600 or something. Oh, good so that job. That was pretty good for the entire world. Oh, okay with that. Yeah, that is pretty good. Especially if you weren't trying that hard. Right, I was just trying to... I would imagine at least 1,700 people are play, playing, so that's right. still pretty good. Yeah, I'll have to give that a try. I like the... Because like we played some of the multiplayer with Jesse that time and it was really fun. So once again, this is another game that I want to play more multiplayer. And I actually I want to try local multiplayer as well, which I haven't mm-hmm. done. So there's plenty of fun left to be had in Tony Hawk, but if you're cool, I'm gonna move on from it. Yes. To the third game that I played a lot this week. Well, I played a couple more games, but this is one where I actually put some time into it. So last week I was showing off uh, some games my family gave me. I just kind of randomly received from them when I went to go visit, and one of them was a game called SingStar. Uh, it's the 90s edition. And uh, I can hear Shauna laughing in the other room. We <laughs> we were playing that together and it's fun. The bummer though is that the uh, second microphone doesn't work, Ooh, which sucks. sucks. Yeah, because we had it all hooked up to do like a, uh, a competition and we pulled up the song just to test it out. And Shauna just thought she was doing terrible. She's like, why am I doing so badly? Turns out her mic just wasn't working at all. Oh no. So I tried unplugging it, plugging it back in, classic so far no luck i can't get that mic to work so i don't know mics are an incredibly simple piece of technology so i hope i can fix it but Mm. given that it's got this proprietary adapter to even use it in the first place i don't know if it's going to happen i might have to buy a new one but we just like traded off play uh playing the single player mode though and it was pretty it's pretty fun after a while you sort of get it like because this game came out in 2006 and uh you know so it's pretty old and it's not like it knows the words you're saying it, it just right. the technology isn't there i don't even know if it still is there for that sort of thing but it's just picking up the pitch of your voice which is all well and good on songs where you sing but when you start doing like uh hip-hop or rap like where they they there's definitely a tone to their voice but they're not singing it gets a little more difficult maybe it's just because of white i'm it's kind of strange like <laughs> to match how somebody is basically talking well yeah i think of like uh sir mix a lot because uh, baby got backs on there shauna did that and she did pretty well i mean she was nailing all the words but he's got a tone like there's still like a pitch that yeah. he's hitting when he's when he's singing and it's just not as obvious because you're not i don't know because it's kind of a freestyle thing on top of what right. the beat is but uh, you could kind of, you could literally just go like hum, I think. And as long as you were in key or, you know, matching the pitch, even just doing that, mm. the, the game's going to give you the credit for it. They also, tried releasing Humstar, but it didn't sell as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we've just been playing on medium difficulty and there's 36 songs. And, and Sean, I was like, is that it? And I'm like, well, that's actually a lot. You got to remember this game is 15 years old and everything that it does has to fit on that disc. It's pretty cool. It has the... Uh, I've got here that the presentation is cool, but very 2006 when YouTube was fresh and new. YouTube had been around for a little bit when this came out, but it was still like, I, I don't know. It wasn't super mainstream, but this kind of looks like you've got the YouTube video of the, uh, you, I guess the official music video playing in the background while you sing, but it's like letterboxed and standard definition, you know, or whatever. It, it's kind of hilarious. And we've been playing it on this tiny TV as well. So yeah. it's been fun though. I mean, I have this dream I've talked about before also where I want a whole music corner, music game corner at my house. And I think this is I think this is starting to become that music game corner because I've got Guitar Hero hooked up, 
and then eventually we're going to hook up Donkey Konga and Dance Dance Revolution. And I think I want to try to get Karaoke Revolution because those use USB mics that just, they're just straight up USB mics. And there are two ports on the front of the PS2. So I think now that I've played one singing game, I want to move on to something a little more fun. Um, also, there's a ton of SingStar games. I think they were, it was kind of a just dance scenario at a certain point in time where mm-hmm. they were super popular. They just kept releasing all these variations. So might have opened up a whole can of worms there on collecting uh, singing games for the PlayStation 2, but here we are. A lot of times these start out with free games. games. What's that? They still have SingStar games or no? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some like app or something. To yeah, it's probably on the phone now. Because they definitely... I mean, the presentation's fine. The song selection's fine. It's that proprietary mic that's just kind of like, okay, they really want to lock you into their ecosystem. You know, you're not able to. And I guess like if you have like a, if you have an, uh, the I, I think it's called iToy or whatever it was called, the iCamera for a PlayStation 2, you can record yourself doing the video and stuff. So one thing I've thought of doing is uh, if we're going to start playing these singing games then I'm going to run the audio out into my computer and record it, that'd be kind of fun. Uh, because karaoke is fun, but recording yourself doing karaoke, that just opens up a whole new level of fun and cringe if you're not that good at it. <laughs> I wonder if there's a way, I mean, I'm sure there is, that if you can't find a good working SingStar mic from 15 years ago, you could just take a cheap mic from today and take the wire and hook it up onto that, like open it's it up possible. a little bit. As I said, like the plug itself where it plugs into the little box, the USB mm-hmm. box is weird, a weird plug type that i've never seen before but yeah i might be able to actually just splice the, the mm-hmm. mic onto the cord yeah that's a good idea another thing that i haven't tried yet is just putting that mic into the first player port and seeing if it works and then maybe it's the port itself that's the problem could be but other than the second port not working i mean i was super impressed with how easy it was to hook up because this was friday night we were it was kind of late and it just kind of impulsively we're like hey let's try singstar i'm like okay well hang out here for a second i'm gonna go upstairs and get it set up because I didn't know how long it was going to be to get the PlayStation 2 to work properly because my PlayStation 2 is kind of janky. I paid 10 bucks for it. You know, I can't complain, but um, it doesn't always load the disc right away. Or if it does, it sometimes it takes like five minutes to load a disc. But no, not this time. It just loaded it right up and everything just worked. So maybe there's something good to be said for these proprietary type hookups in that regard. But SingStar... I don't know if I could recommend it, but if you like karaoke games, you'd probably enjoy it. And if you like 90s games, or 90s games, we do like 90s games on Nintendo Main. But if you like 90s music, this has all the hits. This has Tub Thumpin'. This has Smooth with Rob's Thomas and Santana. This has uh, Cranberry, Zombie. They're all there. All the, all the hits. All 36 of, bass. of them. Yeah, all of them. Oh, there's no Ace of Base. I wish there was. We were really hoping there'd be Ace of Base, but there's no Ace of Base. Even Two Princesses on there by, what's they're called? I can't remember that brand's name, but uh, that song's on there. That's a fun song. There is like this Sarah Silverman show episode about that. that. Two Princes? Uh-huh. So there's what song this, is that? I don't remember. If two princes will adore you, just go ahead now. Oh, do, that do. one. Yeah, yeah. It's about a guy that's trying to impress someone i don't know i don't really know what the song means i, I remember watching a like a, i was watching it on youtube or some sh- sort of app where it was like explaining you know what it was spotify for some reason mm. i was listening to it on spotify and if you like put it on your chromecast sometimes it'll show like trivia about the song and that dude wrote that song when he was in high school so whatever 
I don't know what it means, but he, it was a high schooler wrote that song and it became a mega hit. So I guess that's cool. Good for him. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that Sarah Silverman episode, it was the, uh, the character played by Brian Posehn. He's like supposed to be this metalhead and like all he listens to is metal, you know? And uh, one day his partner like finds his iPod just laying around <laughs> and he opens it up and it's literally just two princes on it over and over and over again. And that's, that's all he was listening to. <laughs> so literally for years when they thought he was listening to metal on his iPod, he was just listening to that song over and over and over and over again. <laughs> it's kind of creepy and that's kind funny. of hilarious. And that's why I think that whenever I hear that song now, that episode. Um, okay, well, let's see. As far as games I played this week, there's really only one more, which was Tetris 99 that maybe it would have been better to seg straight from the Mario Golf into this. But yeah, Tetris 99 did a Mario Golf-themed uh, Tetris Maximus this week. And I was actually able to reach seventh place, which is the best place I've gotten in a long time. All right. I felt particularly happy about it because it was like the middle of the night when it just seems like all the other players are Japanese and probably way better than me. But I got to seventh place, so... I think I got knocked out by the person who was like in third. It's always really satisfying when you like lose in Tetris, but then you look and see, oh, well, the person who got second place knocked me out. So, you know, it's not that bad. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that guy was an place. expert. That's what he does all day <laughs> for a living. So, I mean, I can only assume that's what all these people do. Why else would they be better than me? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of fun. Uh, the theme itself is kind of hot garbage. I don't like it that much. Um, I mean, they can't all be winners, but. Yeah, for some reason, like every once in a while, you get a theme on this where it's just nearly unplayable with like the way the colors are and the background and everything. Like, it just makes it really distracting when you're just trying to play straight up Tetris. So all the L pieces are golf clubs. <laughs> it's not quite like that, but I will say the most annoying thing this one does versus all the other themes is like when you get towards the end. So when you're on um, when you're on the green and you're you know you're putting as we as we talked about earlier. Um, you get like this grid, this like wireframe grid that shows up over the 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 green to kind of like show the the topography of it. Mm. Well, for whatever reason, they thought it would be hilarious and cool to make that grid appear over your the whole Tetris board when it gets too when it gets too high, you know, like kind of when it gets high, the music plays faster. You're about to lose. This fucking red grid appears over the the screen, and it's like around each piece, and it's super distracting and not. Whoa cool at all yeah. i don't know who thought that was a good idea but fuck like it. how can we shoot more <laughs> mario golf stuff into this yeah how could you make it like more visually unappealing oh put this tacky red grid over the whole thing so not not a fan of this theme but i had to unlock it because not only do i want to do that for tetris's sake but i have i want to do it for mario golf's sake i want to have that theme you've seen it now you can move on I've seen it i themed it back to default <laughs> there's actually a couple of those themes that i can that i can use interchangeably with the default but when it really comes down to it if i'm trying to get a good place or if i'm trying to just knock out my daily goals whenever i do play a little more regularly i just use that default theme default theme is really the best i still yeah, I don't... switch back to the game boy one every once in a while i work so hard for it and oh the game boy one's fantastic and yeah. i think i really especially like that one because the color, obviously, there's no color, but that reminds you how effective Game Boy was at still being a really fun system, even though it had no color, because it makes the texture of each block differently or different. Right. You know? The design still worked. Yeah. You know, whereas laying it on a, a 
Game Gear or, or Lynx or something, you could have relied on color. Game Boy, you couldn't, and still they made it work, which is all the more more amazing that you could separate and identify these these little monochrome pieces. Yeah. I want to play it on Game Boy. You can't get it on the 3DS eShop. They, they yanked it down years ago for some reason, probably because the rights keep moving around. But I don't know if I own it for the Game Boy, but I think I look, need to look into getting the original Tetris for the Game Boy. Hmm. Yeah, I've still got my Game Boy and Tetris, but my Game Boy, there's a line going down the side of it, like a line of pixels mm-hmm. did. So You might look into re- yeah. replacing your screen someday. I don't think it's that expensive and that hard to do. I mean, I think it requires yeah, some so. soldering, but... I mean, are there still, like, original Game Boy screens floating around somewhere? That I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. Because I wouldn't want to modify it and update it and make it look all fancy and new and stuff. I, I would hope so, yeah. Screen. The, the, um, so the Game Boy is based off of, like, a chip from, like, the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. So it was our... I mean, just like everything else Nintendo does, like, it was old technology when it came out. And uh, right. it's crazy to think that this system kept going strong because of Pokemon and stuff like that until like the late nineties. And it was like, well, I guess even the early two thousands and it was based off of that point, like 20 year old hardware. Right. So I don't know. That's awesome. It worked out that way. But as far as the screens go, I don't know if that also means the screen technology was old. I mean, that's that pea green screen. Like that was very eighties. So I don't know if they still have those and how, because even if they had like a brand new screen, maybe it's still deteriorated over time if it was manufactured 20 years ago I maybe know. so i could see maybe some some enterprising uh uh retro game enthusiast making old game boy screens well now especially considering how like much hype the playdate's getting for its monochromatic screen yeah right right i wonder i do wonder if someone's going to release like a aftermarket like maybe like a sharper screen based off whatever that technology is that you could hook to your Game Boy, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm interested in, in it if it does. Because I have an old Game Boy as well, and I got mine um, years ago during a Reddit Secret Santa, the same kind of thing where I got my uh, knitted mushroom in the background. Uh, it was a, a gift exchange where someone just sent me their old Game Boy, and the screen is terrible. But I can't complain about it because it's free. But I would definitely consider replacing the screen at some point just for the novelty value because I don't need to play that giant brick there's no need when i have so many other game boys right that or we could also always get the analog nt that's true i forgot about that it's not out yet is it i think I it's think it it's is. out but it went up for pre-order but i don't think it's shipped yet i think i, think I, think I was listening the... to pat and ian's show and i think they yep. had managed to secure but they haven't talked about it since they haven't received it yet oh yeah i think it'd be pretty big news i would i would have seen something about it by now um yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, Pikmin 3 still haven't even opened up the file. I've just got this like weird thing, this weird aversion to playing this amazing game. But I'm going to eventually. I own it now. I own it twice. I plan to play it. I can and understand I can... not playing it because I mean, I've got Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, which I've never, it's never seen the inside of my, my DS before. I, I've owned it all these years never played it it's just something like oh well i've moved on and um, i'm playing different games now and i don't it's know probably I just don't just you a... don't want to play a zelda that's probably it's probably because i hate zelda. <laughs> you don't really series. get to play Asher, it's just but, ended already. but it is the closest you get to playing a zelda other than like a hyrule <laughs> warrior kind of game right or 
CDI. Uh, one last thing, and this was something that I did very recently. This was last night. I finally took the plunge. I oh. bought. I'm getting an Apple. I'm getting an. Uh, I'm getting an iPhone. Whoa! I haven't had an iPhone since the iPhone 4s. Whoa! Welcome to the team. But my phone is crapping out hardcore, and it's a 2006 or 2006. It's a 2016 phone, so that's really not that old. But in terms of uh, cell phone technology, that's it's a dinosaur. So uh, they're going out of their way. I think Samsung in particular goes out of their way, like every other company, to outdate its phones with updates and stuff where like stuff starts running worse and getting slower and the battery's draining quicker and it takes forever just to open up like a normal app that should just pop right open so for whatever reason my phone's get it's crapping out on me and i was like i think it's time to get something new and this iphone had been recommended to me by like several of my friends here in town some that which one are you getting i got the mini the 12 mini so it's like smaller i got a smaller phone which is weird i haven't done that in years where i've gone back down but yeah i want something a little smaller more portable and uh, you know the ips water resistance is is important to me and uh it's got a really nice camera it's got all the guts of the you know the newest iphone it's just tiny cool so i'm switching to the iphone family now if you guys talk about apple arcade and stuff i'll be able to try things out you'll probably get apple arcade for free for a year with it nice and then I've seen, yeah, there's all kinds of like, yeah, who knows? I could end up having a lot of fun with this, especially if I ever end up getting that, uh, the second edition of the 8 bit dough controller that you guys have. Oh, yeah. Then you can definitely use that. And actually, in fact, so you probably get the Apple Arcade and the Apple TV Plus because that's, I that's get what I got. Adapter to charge it. I didn't make sure that I had that. Oh, right. Yeah. Because that'll we'll come find out anymore. pretty soon. So did you order it and it's coming in the mail or what's going on yeah. with it? Yeah, I finally upgraded because I've been eligible for an upgrade for like three or four years now. And so I finally did it. I, I just was telling myself I'm going to I'm gonna leave AT&T. I'm going to go to a different <laughs> provider. And I just, I keep not doing that. So I, eventually I was just like, well, might as well just stick with them and pay 20 extra bucks a month to have this new phone. But I'll probably also try to pay it off quicker because you end up paying less in the grand scheme. Well, actually, no, you don't because it's a zero percent. As long as you make your payments on time, you do actually end up paying just the retail cost of the phone. But the, by the time you finish paying it off, that phone's not worth it. That's how they get you. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me this week. Yeah, me too. I mean, I played a little bit of Mario Maker too, but kind of same old story there. Um, it's just been Mario Maker and Tony Hawk. They've been nice diversions from my my uh, other routines and things like when I take a break. It's just nice to have those games to fire up. You're moving pretty soon, right? Like in a week or two? Uh, oh, no, you're moving, moving in September. That's right. September. Yeah, I got a little way to go, so that'll be nice to be able to set up my own space, the gaming area, and everything, and oh, yeah. put all my games out because they've been in, in storage for a couple months. Is there? Is it going to be a little bigger? Well, you said it was an upgrade from the studio, so you don't have to. Yeah, it's a, your house off a little better. It's a one bedroom. Cool. Well, uh, did you play multiplayer? Is that what you've been doing, or play multiplayer? Um, trying to finish that single player. Tony Hawk, you know, getting to, you know, like I said, around 80% on both of the games. And then, um, yeah, just mostly enjoying the multiplayer quite a bit, especially that graffiti mode. Graffiti mode is the best. I wish, in fact, I've had one gripe about the, the multiplayer stuff. I, I wish you could pick it so that you can just do one particular mode and I would pick graffiti. I like all the other stuff, but sometimes it, I just think that that is the best mode. Yeah, I had fun with that in the multiplayer. Because especially the multiplayer, if you just like 
try to hit everything with a giant trick, then you can really screw everyone else over. And that's kind of funny. Yeah, it's so satisfying to see the entire skate park turn your color. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, let's move on to the news. Here is the news. I promise you it's the news. Uh, there right. actually wasn't a whole lot of news this week, but I mean, at the top of the show, I think this is maybe the big thing. A sealed copy of Super Mario 64 sold for $1.5 million. What the fuck? Why? Why? I've been looking into this. Like, why? What What about this particular game? Like, remember the, the Super Mario Brothers one that sold a couple months back? Okay, that was proved to be part of the first production run of Super right, Mario Literally, Brothers. like, yeah, back in the day when you didn't even know if a store was going to have the NES. Like, they just had, like, a, a certain amount of, as, like, a test to see if they'd sell. As far as I can tell on this Mario 64, it's just some random copy of the game that happened to be preserved in, in great condition. And so I, I just, I don't know what the deal is. I think that will come out in the coming weeks exactly what happened with this, because that kind of money, people are going to be picking this apart, trying to figure out how can I make my copy of Super Mario 64 $1.5 <laughs> $1. million. It said there's like... Um, this Kotaku article said that there was 12 million copies of the game sold in the U.S., I think. Does that sound about right to you? Easily, yeah. The, yeah, It's probably a nearly a one-to-one install base for people that own the N64. The N64, right. So it's not an, it's not an uncommon game, and um, I would imagine there's a couple of copies of, of this game that are in similar condition floating around out there. I don't, I'm just really curious. So there's a lot of skepticism among people who uh, you know make retro games as par- part of their living. Like uh, there's a quote from Pat Country, the NES punk, who says, uh, "Super Mario 64 sold for over 1.5 million. It's the successful result of two plus years of concerted effort between Heritage Auctions, WADA, the group that re- that rates the games, and a small group of collectors from other hobbies with deep pockets to artificially pump up the sealed game market." Uh, yeah. There's another one from. Frank Cifaldi of the Video Game History Foundation. He says it barely hit f- five figures outside of Heritage. I 100% it, agree that it being a 9.8 puts it at a completely different level, but a sudden jump from 30,000 to 1.5 million feels wrong, which I guess a previous edition of the game sold for 30,000. It, it was like a 9.4 no or something. It's not that old of a game. You know, it's not that rare yet. Just nothing about it sliding up right. And yeah, like you said, the grading, but I had it, I was having a long conversation with Shauna about this last night. Kind of went on, a, I kind of went on a rant because I always remember when I was a kid, and I don't know if you collected baseball cards and stuff like because that got really popular in the early 90s. A couple of basketball cards and have baseball. Yeah. I didn't even really care about baseball, the actual sport, but my dad got into collecting cards because it got popular. And you could resell them, flip them. And, you know, he was, he was wheeling and dealing and making some money off of his cards. But I remember it was towards the end of the popularity of cards, which really only lasted a couple of years. And like I said, in the mm-hmm. early to mid nineties, that's when they started doing basically what it, I think it's similar to what WADA is, where you would send in your card, you pay some sort of flat fee and they would grade it and they'd send it back to you in a sealed, you know, like in a nice sealed glass case or whatever, based on the value that, or based on the grading, that would take it and bump up the value according to the price guides. But yeah, when I was kind of ranting at her last night, it was just this exact kind of thing that Pat said. I was like, Beckett, which was the price guide for sports cards. I don't know if you remember that publication. 
basically their business was determining what stuff was worth. That was like how they made money by determining how much stuff was worth. And I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, actual research. I'm sure there was like metrics that made sense how they came to their, their prices. But once eBay became a thing and people could see how much of this stuff was really out there in the wild, you know, and you weren't just like on a regional level going to like a show, trying to find a card you wanted or trying to pick it out of a pack yourself. Now you could just get on eBay and see, Oh, well that card that, Beckett tells me it's worth $10 is actually just selling on eBay for like $2. Mm. And it's also like back before they had buy it now, like you still had to do an auction for each item. So it was really easy for people to see that the bubble, had bu- the bubble had burst. And I don't know how that sort of thing is being avoided by these companies because yeah, I guess unless someone specifically has a sealed copy with the grading, it's not the same thing. But it really is. If it's just a sealed copy, it's the same damn game. I don't know right. how something this recently could, you know, this recent in the, the, the relative history of things could be worth this much. I'd like to look and see what the relationship is between the, the grading companies and the auction companies, yeah. right? Because, I mean, you could definitely sense that if they, if they were one thing, if the same company was rating the, the game and then advising on how much it should be sold at auction and basically setting the price in the game. Like that would be straight up really fishy and, and probably illegal. Right. But these are two separate companies that both have a vested interest in this game selling for very, very much. And as Pat Contry says that they, it was a concerted, concerted effort between heritage auctions, WADA, and then a small group of collectors. Yeah. I think stuff like this might, might raise some flags and, get the certain authorities looking at this so something fishy's going on here you also have everyone that every one of us had as a a kid well most of us if you're listening to this show you probably had this as a kid so when you bought okay so a lot of the n64s came with mario 64 or wait no i don't think it it was separate yeah it had to be separate so you you there was a box for every copy that's what i was gonna say i didn't know if maybe the cartridge just by itself came in the box or had a weird like smaller packaging or something Mm. no everybody had to buy the game in the box like everyone else maybe there's like a player's choice edition or something that was like there was a player's choice edition yeah and this definitely is not that we can at least give them that it's it's uh the original edition but yeah so you also have on here that a copy of legend of zelda sold for eight hundred seventy thousand. was that yeah that was just a, a few days before so that was the record up until like for two days for like yeah a couple days wow zelda sold for 800 and how much was it eight hundred seventy thousand dollars at auction this was again just an original copy of legend of zelda nothing special about it other than that it was in great condition so weird i just i don't i don't trust it same thing sold by heritage heritage auctions and i think it was yeah rated by wada a 9.0 a Here's what Kotaku is saying about that game. So beyond its condition, much of its value comes down to this. It's the only copy from one of the earliest production runs. Okay, so it did have something special about it. Right, at least this game is what, like, right. 10 years older than the... That you're starting to, like, get to where, okay. As, as far as video games are concerned, once you get into, like, the early to mid-80s, that's, a, that's an antique video game almost. Right. I would have assumed that the original Super Mario Brothers from the first production run that would have been the 1.5 million game. Mm-hmm. 
and some random copy of Super Mario 64, like they would, I think they would have switched places if, if it was even worth 600,000 at that. I mean, this, this really perplexes me and, and a lot of other people. I'm not alone. 1.5 million for See, an N64 game that everybody had. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have no, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there was some market manipulation happening here to tell you, like, yeah, to con- just like the price guides back in the day to determine, to be in charge of determining the value of things. Because once you're at that point, then it's like printing money for yourself. Right. And then I guess you get the, a couple of people with, tons of money who obviously you know 1.5 million whoever bought it that's not that much money to, to them you get a couple people in the room like that who just want the game no matter what uh, they, that that could have drove the price up i mean it certainly drove the price up by a ton of money this could well, this could be a lightning in a bottle one time only situation where two or three guys were in the same room they had tons of money and they all wanted the game who's to say that that's the real value of this very common n64 game well, the fact that it was sold at an auction, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't dictate like the actual value of it because that's one crazy auction. It's not a store where you go to buy it for that price. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something's rotten in Denmark. Hyrule or the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> Hyrule, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm cool moving on with that. Uh, did you want to take a quick break? Hey, hey, you. Mario. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! Nintendo main expansion pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo main podcast and hey, Mario, let go. He's throwing us back to the show. So long, gay Bowser. Patreon.com slash Nintendo main podcast. Game over. introduce myself i'm the hero of this song i have to save the princess and i just can't take too long in order to find a castle i know the recipe heading to the right is the only possibility there is no need for panic no matter what is at stake for i can jump all day and none of my bones will ever break Looks like an easy journey, there's nothing to give me a scare Oh never mind, I jinxed it, there's somebody over there I see a couple of snakes, but it's not too much for me I just don't think that's fair, maybe I should check with the referee There will be a few moments when I will have to duck That will not protect me, so I shouldn't push my luck There are so many serpents, they seem to crawl out of the earth 
Although I had it coming because I am the one on their turf. I can see a statue on the other side of this tunnel. This could be a trap. There's no room for me to fumble. It just fired an arrow, but how it could isn't clear. I never knew a snake could be such a crafty engineer. I see so many snakes, and the reason seems obscure. Am I supposed to hit them? Because I'm not even sure. There was really only one major release this week, but yeah, there's another there's another game you have on here that I think is definitely <laughs> worth talking about. Monster Hunter Stories 2 came out. I imagine Trey's playing that maybe right now. I still haven't played the demo. It's I don't know why. I haven't even like booted it up, but I've got the demo and the progress carries over from the demo to the, the main game, so there's no reason not to play it. It's just sitting on my Switch, you know? Man, once again, I'm just appreciating here three or four years ago, I guess even more than that now, back in the days of the Wii U. When you just had nothing to play now i have too much to play and it's a it's a it's a wonderful first world dilemma but monster hunter stories 2 came out and i actually didn't even see i haven't looked at reviews or anything but it seems like people like it all i know about it is what you guys have talked about on the show yeah it's monster hunter but an rpg and uh you're not just like the violence is toned down a little bit i think it's a little more family friendly but and you're actually able to be friends with the monsters which is definitely not a thing in the Monster Hunter stories <laughs> or Monster Hunter Rise that you just got to slice everybody up in that game. But I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this other game because yeah, I, I watched the review you sent of it and it, mm-hmm. even just watching the review, I'm like, well, what the hell? This game is called Songs for a Hero and it's a action platformer slash musical. <laughs> yes, that's right, musical. So the character sings throughout the entire game sing exactly what he's doing i was intrigued i thought this could be really funny if pulled off correctly i've watched the trailer for it and i watched a review video and i gotta say this seems pretty annoying oh it's so annoying like it just think about like if you're cleaning your house or whatever and you got your vacuum cleaner you're like do 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 vacuum in the floors <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly that's- what this game is <laughs> That's exactly what this game. That's perfect analogy. Yeah. In, fla- in fact, he'll even sometimes just be like, "Well, uh, I gotta, th- I gotta take care of this." I don't know. He just kind of like goes off on tangents. Like there's some stream of consciousness in his singing, and of course, kind of like some stretches. I think. You know, one thing I want to give props to is that I don't think this was natively an English language game. I think it's yes. Spanish, it's Brazilian. maybe Brazilian. Okay, okay. So it's like uh, in, in Portuguese by default is what the game was made for. So maybe somehow contextually the singing makes more sense in in uh, Portuguese. I mean, I don't know how it could be much different. It's just a different language, but maybe there's like some sort of like wordplay or something that happens mm. that makes more sense according to the culture and the language. But I mean, I you got to be impressed that they were able to make all the words rhyme and stuff in English. Like that's somebody yeah, that's localized that pretty drive. well. Mm-hmm. But then the other side of that is, uh, dude, just talk about vacuuming his floor or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, I just can't see where it adds anything to the gameplay. It's like a surface level thing that's thrown on there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that if you were playing this game and you're kind of you know, a little bored or whatever, you might be singing along and saying, Oh, I'm playing Mario. It'll be like, oh, I'm stumping on the Goombas, kicking the Koopa. Like, you <laughs> make a, might make up your own little song, but it's like somebody did that and put it in the game. Uh-huh. It doesn't add anything to the gameplay. So, from what I've seen, and I've I watched about 10 minutes of that review, if it was in there, if there was some sort of integral gameplay element to you singing, I think they would have talked about it in the review. It doesn't seem like it's 
in there. It just seems like this extra thing that's tacked on yeah. and kind of like, oh, is there an option to mute the singing in this musical game? It's like they were like, okay, well, we're done making the game now. Hop on here, play this, and we're going to record you sk- singing while you do it. And then that's just like the commentary track, or like the, the yeah, the developer's commentary like you get on a dvd except it's part of the gameplay somehow it's, it's not well yeah it's not even part of the gameplay it's the soundtrack that's it's it. gonna play anyway as far and as they I went with, tell, at least they, they also went with for the guy who is singing you know not to knock him i think this was, was like a direction but they went with a more cartoony style of mm. singing the guy is like a kind of like a spongebob squarepants mm-hmm. so, sort of sounding type character and i think it would have been better if they went with somebody who was legitimately trying to sing well like have like an actual nice mm-hmm. recording that would have made it both even more palatable and I think even funnier. It just, uh, the whole thing is just kind of a swing and a miss for me. Points for the effort, points for the attempt at something original and creative. I don't think they hold it off. Imagine whoever's idea that was, or, you know, I'm sure it was like a brainstorm type thing, but it was like, we're going to have the character sing and just like the whole, the, like the developer just be like, oh my God, I can yeah, fit yep. all those words into this yeah. freaking game. Like it's, that had to have been a, just like a very daunting task. Yeah, I give them props for making it work mm-hmm. as much as they did. But yeah, definitely doesn't seem like a game for me. I'll just sing to my games on my own. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. I'll just play SingStar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was going to say one thing I wanted to say about it. In that review I watched, I was like, all right, well, let's see, like, you know, when you fight a boss, do you and the boss, like, do a duet or something like that? <laughs> like, is it a kind of a Great Mighty Pooh kind of scenario where mm-hmm. they're singing at you? No, it seems like there's no singing during boss battles. They're just singing just go, this stops. You do Goes a boss away. battle. Then afterwards, you're like, I beat the boss, yeah, or whatever. So, like, it comes back, but kind of, like, it seems like a, a miss there for me that there's not, like, right. a, that could have been a grand some moment. dialogue, yeah. Like, I want dude to be like, I'm about to smash you right before he hits me, you know? That'd be kind of cool. Nope. Uh, let's see. That's pretty much it for the new releases. Uh, there is a rumor, if you want to talk about this rumor, because it's a you guys surprise heard? the shit out of me. There's a rumor <laughs> that a Switch Pro is coming next year. What? Yeah. Switch Pro? What's that? <laughs> well... It's not the Switch OLED that is coming later this year, is what they're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, that did not take long at all, did it? After the announcement of the no. OLED, to say that a new, more powerful Switch is still in the pipeline, this is according to comicbook.com, and will be the upgrade featuring 4K gaming that Nintendo fans were hoping for before the new OLED model was revealed. Thanks, I would love this to just let up. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't go like a month at least without another Switch Pro rumor. Yeah, maybe like calm your tits for a bit. Like, yes. we know something that's coming out. Um, I do, though. I mean, I doubt this is the, la- the first time I've speculated this out loud. But what's to say, like, come on. They already did this bridge with Twilight Princess. They did this bridge with Breath of the Wild where, you know, it was released on two consoles at once. And you had some benefit to getting it on the newer console. Like, I really do think that they would wait for Breath of the Wild 2 or somewhere in that, at least in that window of time at this point you know for one just because they rarely refresh they like two refreshes that close together in fact i don't know if they ever have but that's going to sell consoles that's going to sell these switches to people that already have the switch because they're going to be looking at it like they're getting the next thing it's not just a slight upgrade it's the new nintendo console if they sell it that way yeah if they are in fact going to do this right i think it would be at least a year out from the oled it's not going to be within the same year and that would point to maybe Breath of the Wild 2 coming out in the later half of 2022. I bet holiday 2022. 
I would bet money on it. Um, That's also the five-year mark since the original Switch, which is like in the games industry is a pretty solid. That's that's new console time. Five years kind of has been since the dawn of it all. Right. Or with the portables, they've moved a little quicker. Or in the case of like the Wii U, they I think the Switch got rushed to to come out because the Wii U was flopping so badly. But yeah, five years is is reasonable for a new console. Right. And how many different editions of the 3DS did they have? Oh, God. One. Right? They, two, they had like four three, different editions, including the 2DS and all that. They have the 3DS. Five. Because there's, the, well, there's the 3DS, and there's the new 3DS, but then there's also the new 3DS XL. XL. Or, right, no, there was the 3DS, the 3DS XL, new 3DS, new 3DS XL, 2DS, 2DS XL. I think that might be it. There might be so that's six editions of the same console. Yes. And we're at now three editions of the Switch. Yes. So still feasible. Still feasible. I mean, Nintendo wants people to have multiple of these in their household. I mean, that that much is apparent by how hard it is to share games and stuff on it. So how are they going to get that install base? By releasing new models that people have to have. So yeah, new Switch Pro. Rumors. Yeah, look forward to rumors. Look forward to hearing this ad infinitum until we all yep. die of nuclear blasts or whatever happens to humanity. Because rampant Nintendo rumors about the new console have been happening since basically the beginning of the Wii U. Well, even before that, but like that's when the people started talking about the NX. And we're getting out, we're probably getting close to a decade here of when the NX started to be talked about. And uh, right. like, I don't know, it just gets really, really tiring after a while to even try to keep up with these things. And, and the, uh, the unchecked expectations that happen as a result with people when all these dumb rumors are circulating and then Nintendo lets us down. Well, no, Nintendo didn't let you down. You let yourself down with your expectations. Yeah, reel it in there. Just enjoy the game system you have now in the moment. They said, we don't have a pro. And then it wasn't a pro. They didn't lie to you. They told the truth the whole time, which, you know, I'm all about saying, you know, most big companies do lie, but and Nintendo does as well in its own ways. But they told the truth about the fact that the pro wasn't coming out this year. Or, you know, at this point, we don't even know it exists, but at this, but we're all just kind of assume that it's a thing because it's been drummed into our heads that it is. Right. There will 100% be a successor to the Switch. They started working on that day one, probably after the Switch was released. Calm down. Calm down, people. Yes, yes. You know, I'm I'm sort of over like this this whole hype of waiting for systems and games with bated breath all the time. I mean, I can remember my my biggest game that I waited for was probably Zelda Gaiden, which was Zelda uh, Majora's Mask. Mm -hmm. And I was looking up stuff about that game every single day. And I look back at that time and I think, well, that was like 20 years ago now. Am I really going to continue doing this for the next 20 years? Just like anticipating the next (laughs) game, the next system, the next thing. At some point, you just got to stop and play the games that you have right now and enjoy that. Because the Switch Pro rumors, I think, will continue even after the switch pro comes out i think it's just like a thing there's just always some next thing coming so settle down and enjoy oh exactly now if the switch pro comes out people are going to be disappointed with some elements of it because they always are because nintendo always it's really minimal with their upgrades you know they do the bare minimum and it's always effective for them they always sell stuff when they do so they're going to keep doing that and yeah people are going to be disappointed with it and then they're going to start yeah immediately like well they're working on the new one it's not the switch it's the new console whatever that is Mm. i don't know as far as i'm concerned the switch can just be the switch forever it's the best it's the best nintendo console easily at this point in my opinion the best nintendo console ever ever 
ever easily once they put more uh virtual console stuff on it it's it's just it's going to be undefeatable which hopefully they do hopefully they just unleash they the floodgates will. on virtual console and like here's every game we ever had ever i mean they could do at least every first party game and put it all on the switch speaking well, of like old games have- here's a revived series cruise and blast confirmed for a September launch on the Switch, September 14th. So we knew about Cruise and Blast already, right? Like we just didn't have any sort of date or we whatever. Because I, yeah, I remember talking about it and just kind of being like, oh, is this like another Cruise in USA kind of game? Well, it's the same developer, but it is. And it's from one of the original guys who created the Cruise and series. So I expect it to be pretty good. Um, I think it's, it's actually a port of an old arcade game from 2017. Yeah. And I remember hearing about it at the time. I think we even reported on it on the show. But now it's finally coming to the Switch. And this will fill my long-held dream of, of having a cruising or a San Francisco Rush on the Switch. I still would like San Francisco Rush just a little bit more, just because that's the one I had on the 64. Mm-hmm. But I'll take a cruising too. Now, is that game also from the same developer, or is that just another game in that style? It is San Francisco is, uh, Rush. I believe they were both from Midway. Okay. And I think they were from the same person. It was just a different... But it's like a different franchise. Yeah. It's not like a it's not a cruising yeah. game proper. Okay. I think I think what happened was Nintendo owned the cruising mm-hmm. name, and so the same developers just went off and made San Francisco Rush as a separate series that they could have the one hundred percent rights to. I think that's what happened. You've got here that okay, you got Nintendo is not coming clean with us about whether or not the Joy-Con have right. been fixed for the OLED. I thought right. I had seen that they confirmed they were the same Joy-Con, but I don't remember what my source was. Therefore, maybe it was conjecture. This was an article from Nintendo. That was posted a day or so ago, which I think was just meant to confirm Nintendo's non-confirmation okay. of, of whether or not the Joy-Con will be fixed. So I think they it seems like they, they went and pressed Nintendo and asked for a response and just they didn't get anything back. So I think it's safe to say, and we did say as much last week, the Joy-Con are gonna be the exact same. Yep. And whenever they do fix the Joy-Con, they're not going to make a big deal out of it. It's just going to be fixed, I think. And one of the right. one of the iterations when it comes out, they're just going to be like, oh, BT dubs, the Joy-Cons are not shitty anymore or whatever. Right. And then we'll but just discover say, some for, new problem with them. Look for these new and improved Joy-Con without mm-hmm. acknowledging that the problem existed in the first place. Well, how are they yeah. improved? They're better. Well, yeah, maybe they'll add, say, maybe they'll add some extra functionality to it as a as a stopgap to be like, Oh yeah, we you know now it's got a camera on it or something, which yeah. already has like an IR camera. Maybe it has like some extra functionality that they'll use for a, for a first party game, and then they'll also be like, oh, and by the way, yeah. no more drift. They'll say here here's some new uh, rubber padding on the on the thumbstick mm. to prevent your controller from. Sliding. I guess they, yeah, they don't want to say, they're never going to admit to drift. That yeah. puts them in a whole heap of legal trouble once they take ownership of it. Right. Yeah. It's annoying. Drift is is real. You're not just imagining it, people. It's real. Nintendo's gaslighting you. Um, uh, Donkey Kong legitimately turned 40. I thought I'd mention real yep. quick um, that I pulled out my special edition vans for Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary, and I wore those down. Mm-hmm. I went to like a, a place called the Rose Bowl. It's a bar downtown near where I live. I can actually walk there, which is great. And uh, yeah, I wore my shoes out. I don't like wearing those shoes very often because they're uh, too nice. Actually- worth like yeah, they're actually worth some money uh, maybe not now that my stinky feet have been in them but these shoes you can find online for quite the markup at this point but uh yeah i thought i was wearing them the other day i'm like this is kind of fun that i gotta wear uh <laughs> that i'm wearing these shoes to celebrate donkey kong's 40th anniversary but then i remembered i was i was i pull up my facebook and i saw that five years ago i remember the first time i wore these out in public and that was when i went to go see hum uh, uh okay. you know 
Yeah, I went to go see Hum, a, a Hum concert. And Hum's actually from my area. And uh, it was also kind of bittersweet, though, because this is really sad. And I, I really not a seg into it, but um, they recently, like, their drummer passed away. And it was like a really sudden thing. And he was not that old. I think he was only like 52. And I don't know the exact details of it, but it was just super sad because I had gotten the news that he passed away. And I don't know. There's just this, sore, this whole sort of intersection of these things just for me personally. You know, I'm not. I'm not seeing some sort of cosmic thing here. I just uh, was like, oh, I'm wearing these shoes that I wore five years ago when I saw Hum. And now, you know, I'll never see Hum like that again. That's something I thought I would mention. The guitarist, uh, Matt, has his own bar here in town called uh, Loose Cobra. It's actually kind of out in the sticks, but it's a place where they have a lot of uh, bands play. And then he's also got his own recording studio out there called Earth Analog. That A lot of my friends have recorded albums and stuff there. So just a really interesting connection here locally and then also just piece of incredibly sad news all kind of merging together here on the 40th anniversary of donkey kong oh but yeah proper the proper 40th anniversary of donkey kong he's over the hill now here's to the next 40 years of donkey kong yeah here's where donkey kong becomes the new cranky kong and then we, we have a whole new generation whenever that happens. They did release a trailer for the new uh, Lego, the Lego Mario. Um, I guess Luigi came out recently. The Lego Luigi came out. And that finally made me think, oh, that's kind of cool. Because I'd never really been that interested in the Lego Mario. But it shows how, this trailer shows how the Mario and Luigi will interact with each other. And I can see how that would, would uh, enhance a kid's play with this. I, I still don't think it's anything that adults are really interested in. And the design of Lego Mario and Luigi still looks weird to me. And I wish they would have just released re- regular legos but um if for instance say like mario falls over luigi will say oh mario are you okay and oh interact wow in that kind of way it's pretty cute i was gonna say where are they gonna keep it like you know accurate to brothers and mario just bullies luigi mercilessly <laughs> <laughs> and just tells him that he's just green mario and no one cares about him <laughs> mom loves me more you're a player too forever luigi <laughs> Number two in the bathroom, number two. Yeah, uh, yeah that would be hilarious if Mario was just a, a shithead. To, to a shitty older brother. <laughs> and teach the kids how to properly believe. No, that's cool. I, I think that's cool. Like they've got these figures interacting with, with each other. It's even kind of creepy, to be honest, but mm. I'm sure it's fun for the kids. And that's what it's all about. These Legos are definitely targeted at young children um, i bought a lot of those you know the little gotcha figurine packs i haven't displayed them here yet but i've talked about it in the past like, i've actually spent probably about 60 bucks on nintendo lego in that regard just because i like those little five dollar little little kits you get where you can make the enemies and uh, as a result some of them i have like three of because that's just the way these gotcha things work but my favorite one's the shy guy he's the best one and he looks really cool as a Lego. Mario or Luigi? No, I don't see. I don't know if you can buy them. Maybe you could. Well, you can probably buy Luigi on his own now. But yeah, I don't know if you can just buy Mario. I haven't seen it. It comes with the set, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've only seen it with the sets, and I've not. I've had no interest in the sets because they really don't look that cool. I mean, I no. understand like as a kid playing it, it's going to be fun, and the structure of the set kind of makes sense because it's supposed to look like a you know a side-scrolling level or whatever. But looking at these Lego models, and it's just like a big sprawling kind of like thinly populated lego it's just not fun like the good lego models are the big solid you know think like the death star the millennium falcon and other star wars examples those are the those are the kind of legos that i want to build yeah, the lego marios look more like um what's the kids version of mario like duplo mm-hmm. or playmobile they look like that yeah not as attractive 
Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there was ever a period in time where they were going to brand it as like Duplo and then they're like, well, no, we'll alienate all the adult Lego fans yeah. if we do that. I just said, it's... what's the kid version of Lego? Uh, I, mean, Lego I thought Lego was supposed to be the kid version of Lego. Lego's but, yeah. pretty little kid version. Universally, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There was Obviously, it was a kid's toy at some point, but well, it's been quite a while now that Lego's been marketed to adults. And I think yeah. I've, I don't know if I mentioned on the show, but I even saw a commercial recently that was like, it was like a couple and it was it was being marketed to like you know young couples because they wanted to collect lego together and so one of them got the darth vader head and one of them got the stormtrooper head and then they ended up decorating their entire houses based on the on the models that was sort of the joke in the commercial like well now we got to make everything else look cool in the house they ended up like splitting their house down the middle where everything's black on one side and everything's white on one side and They've got the two models sitting there. Like that's a kind of a cool commercial that stuck with me, but weird. Weird that they're like they're marketing to this particular demographic, I guess. We really are Lego just brings people staying together. kids forever nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that you know, along the lines of these games selling for $1.5 million, mm-hmm. essentially what happens is with Legos and with these million dollar games, people want what they want from their childhood. And so you wait, add any childhood phenomenon, add 30 years, and now it's going to be worth money. Uh, now it's going to appeal to adults. You know, they're bringing back Masters of the Universe. I think this week has a new wow. TV series, which I'm totally interested in watching. Yeah, any childhood property, add 30 years, it'll become valuable again. That's now, just Masters of the it. Universe, that was, the, that was a toy first, right? And then they based the it was, yep. cartoon. Okay. As, as was the case with a lot of 80s stuff but i think that was one of the first yeah it was well it was masters of the universe was i believe the first really to be conceived of as a toy and a series at the same time like nintendo or excuse me mattel before they released masters of the universe they said we need a show to go along with this we need to give kids a story to you know reason why to play with these action figures and so they went to funimation and said, hey, make up a, a show for us. And then they re- they released in tandem. But yes, it was Mattel's idea that they conceived and designed. And I think I, there, was, there was that show on uh, Netflix that watched the episode about Masters of the Universe. That's where I got yeah, that, that information. see we got a couple other things here but i think we could probably wrap sure. up pretty quick i think you yeah, definitely want to mention what you have here about the guinness world record i think that was really cool yeah it was a really cool article yeah so uh, linda guillory a black woman who um she collected the most lcd game systems and was recognized by guinness world records and she got another world record too which i i'm I forget which it was. Yeah, she's got 1,599 LCD gaming systems. Oh, my gosh. And 2,430 uh, gaming systems. And she has, doesn't she have a complete NES collection as well? She does, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. think this was important. I mean, the article kind of points it out, but sure. uh, I think it was actually, was it, it was written by a, a, a black, the article was written by a black. Yeah, it was written by Ash Parrish from mm-hmm. Kotaku. And just pointing out that, you know, games are, are appealing to everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a celebration of of the hobby and how it can. And this is like yeah, really a lot about inclusivity together. because not only like yeah, the the demographic of the person that has a collection because this you right. know just not represented in the gaming space a lot, um, but the the actual what she's collecting these LCD games that a lot of people kind of like cast to the wayside as kind of a joke or like a stopgap in history of when right. you know, games were hard to make, but like. 
people legitimately like these things. And I, I mean, I used to like them. I used to collect sure. them when I was younger. And uh, in the article, it says she like picks them up and plays them. She still plays them. So that's awesome. Like she loves these games. Yeah, um, this would be an interesting collection to see. And I think it said she's an electrical engineer. I wonder how much that has to do with these games. Like maybe these games caused her to go into engineering so she could so. fix her consoles and stuff herself. Yeah, quite an impressive collection. Yeah, I would love to see something like that at a convention. You know, like they'll display the the whole like I've seen like the entire NES or the entire Atari you know, US Atari series set up in like kind of like big clear cases. I would love to see something like that with uh, these handheld games. Cause Tiger I think games. she has like yeah. all the game and watches too. Right. Wasn't that? I part believe of it? so. And then the game watches themselves. Like that's a thing that I'm really interested oh, yeah. in. Cause I have yeah, a, she had a whole game watches. Yeah. Not game and watches, but game mm-hmm. wrist watches. Yeah. Those were a fad in the late eighties. And I think one of the coolest fads I want, I want more of them, but they're not cheap. But I wish that, yeah. like, I wish that one of the uh, hardware manufacturers would would do like a game watch, even if it was just like a throwback kind of thing. Because I would love that if they could do a lot those with it. Mario and the Zelda ones, like, mm-hmm. in the same way that they have the the minis, the classic systems, reissue those. I would totally buy one. I always mm-hmm. wanted one as a kid, and I remember I remember one kid on the playground had a Zelda one. I just thought, oh, that's so cool. Yes, the Zelda one was cool. Yeah, I've got the I've got the Super Mario World one. My dad gave that to me years ago when no one really cared about those things and now it's worth it's worth a decent amount i mean i think somewhere around 100 bucks mm-hmm. i just want to wear it it looks cool and it has a headphone jack what the hell yes you can plug your headphones in to hear the the, the beeps and the boops uh, <laughs> but yeah le- legitimately you I, really hear the beeps and the boops <laughs> headphones on <laughs> yeah the game watches are cool i don't see why you couldn't like you said like as far as the cla- like the minis or the classics go like you could you know we obviously know like i watch or yeah apple watches are a thing mm-hmm. like there's all these like fitbits and stuff that have color screens now like the technology's there you could put like you could do a nintendo game watch that had all the stuff in it just emulated or even it'd be cool if they put like a something like an e-paper display on it or something and did like a mm-hmm. really nice like high contrast crisp. yeah crisp picture but it's probably just a pipe dream. I don't know if that's going to happen. Also, it'd be really easy to lose. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have like some sort of insurance plan on your on your novelty watch. Yeah, it would be a real uh, a niche market kind of thing because there's only. A, I mean, of the retro game fans, there's a. I imagine it's a pretty small subset that ex- actually remembers and and wants these uh, LCD wristwatches. But hey, we're out here. Somebody, somebody, take our money. It was another Nintendo Life article, and I think it might have been it was either you or trey that sent it to me sent Mm -hmm. it to us in the slack but uh they were talking about metroid and what metroid needs to do Mm -hmm. to uh to sell well and they lay out within this within this uh video they basically say dread's going to be the best selling metroid ever because it's on the switch that's it the install base is huge yeah and this is the system that took Mar- uh, excuse me, Animal Crossing mainstream. Yes, and so yeah, in that they mentioned New Horizons has outsold just the game by itself has outsold mm-hmm. every Metroid game combined. So the entire New Horizons series. is huge, and it's yeah, that's got it's got a crazy install base. I don't I don't know if we've seen an actual number, but it's got to be a double digit percentage install base for people that own switches so yeah dreads probably no matter how good the game is which i'm really really looking forward to in fact i follow a uh there's a twitter i follow now i think it's a bot that's just how many days till metroid dread so every day it's like 90 days 89 days 
So I think we're in the eighties, 80 something days left. Nice. I'm excited about the game. I really want to play it. Um, it looks beautiful. I can't wait to play it. It's going to be the best selling Metroid probably. And that's nuts to think like, and what is that going to mean for Metroid in the future? Well, I hope it means a lot mm. more Metroid in the future. I hope so. Yeah, I, I'm still skeptical as to whether or not it's going to take Metroid mainstream. I think it will absolutely be the best-selling Metroid. Will it re- reach uh, Animal Crossing levels of success? No. 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 Nothing ever will. Ever will. Um, no, it just won't. Animal Crossing has like, carved its own niche as far as that's concerned. Because there are games like Animal Crossing, sort of, but they're probably inspired by Animal Crossing. It's, it's kind of its own genre. Metroid, not so much. Metroid inspired genres as well, but at this point, no one really realizes that. Like, I, I think it's in that same article where it's like, there probably are people who are going to pick up this game and be like, oh, this is a Metroidvania, not even realizing that they're saying the name of the game itself, or right. what the type is, because of just how how many of those games exist now and how huge, you know, like Hollow Knight and obviously all the Castlevania games and stuff. And then, of course, newer, like SteamWorld Dig. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of Metroidvanias out there. And for good reason, they're fantastic games. There's so many. Time Spinner, that's one I mean mm. to get back to. It's like a lot like Symphony of the Night. There's just so many good Metroidvanias, and, and there's never going to be too many, I don't think. So Metroid Dread does have the potential to be something pretty incredible. And it also has the potential to disappoint the hell out of us because of, of the hype surrounding it. <laughs> that's unfortunately the double-edged sword of hype. But I think it's so unlikely that that will happen because this game has been in development off and on for 15 years. And after, if they're willing to wait 15 years to put this game out, it's going to be good. It better be because Doom Eternal wasn't, or no, what was that? Duke Nukem Forever. What Duke was that Nukem one? Forever. Yeah. 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 Not Doom Eternal. Yeah. There was, there's that. That's the only example I could think of of a game that people waited forever for and then it was shitty. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't happen with this. I mean, these Samus Returns got really good reviews. Um, that was the, the, same developers so mm. not my cup of tea per se and that's why i'm a little worried about metroid dread because i don't know how much it's going to be like that i think i need to go back to that game and try to play through it or at least but it also has like that game was in a sense you know shackled by the the, the former game yeah where it, ha- it had to be that it had to be a a, a version of that this is something entirely new so if there were things that you enjoyed about uh, samus returns uh, then that would li- likely be it could be from from the developer. They could have contributed the good stuff that you did like about that game. I hope so. And I hope the melee thing isn't as important in this, but I imagine it's going to be. The melee thing was the thing I disliked the most. I just It took me out of the fact that I was playing a Metroid game. Like It felt like this was a tribute to Metroid more than an actual Metroid. We'll see, though. I mean, who knows? that Those features might just be baked into the, the Metroid formula from now on, and I just got to accept it. But Metroid Dread, are you going to get Metroid Dread? I don't know. Let us yeah. know in the comments. Um, yeah, you too. Are you going to get it? You're going to get it? I, I think we'll all get it, and then we'll we'll talk about it a lot. You're going to hear us talk about Metroid Dread a lot in October. Yes. I do not dread doing that. Uh, but I think unless you had anything else to add, John, I think we could probably put a Good. pin in it, as Trey would say. Well, we, did, we didn't say anything about the wrestling fans. That was kind of interesting. Uh, maybe just briefly mention like uh, that people at wrestling events are holding up signs saying like what RPGs are the best. Yeah, this is a thing that was pointed out by a Twitter user, Rivera 992011 And Kotaki wrote this article that uh, West wrestling fans are waging a silent RPG war on live TV. 
where we all know that you know wrestling fans will bring signs and they say mm-hmm. various things on there but now they're saying things like final fantasy 8 sucks or localized <laughs> mother 3 <laughs> i don't know why they're doing that but i love it i love that they're using their their space on their sign and say that instead of like stone cold 316 or whatever they used to say they're saying chrono trigger could totally beat the rock in wrestling match <laughs> We're going to see a tag team between like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VIII versus The Rock and, and Stone Cold. <laughs> Ladder match. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, listening to this episode. We appreciate you uh, stopping by. If you want to hear more, you can join our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast. You can find us there. And for a dollar a month, you can hear our bonus episodes. We actually just, Trey just released uh, our most recent expansion pack which is about what we found to be the funniest moments in games. Funniest, it was a funny episode. Funny humor. Haha. Ha. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I believe Trey is even going to put a, I think he said he was going to put a 30-minute kind of a teaser on the free feed. So you can still just check it out, see if you like it. But yeah, we the Patreon's fun because that's where we kind of like, we're a little more freestyle over there. You know, we're not, not loose. Right. We're not, uh, we're more topical as far as like the topics we want to discuss and not as, much topical as far as current events go uh, in fact we try not to be too yeah we try not to talk about the news too much over there but yeah check us out uh if you want to find us anywhere else though uh you can find us on youtube.com slash nintendo main podcast and you can also find trey on twitter as nintendo underscore domain i am on there as jmax stack and then also on twitch nintendo main podcast trey will eventually return there when he can he's been very very busy with with his uh, hitman 3 tour but one of these days I'm going to get on Twitch. I promise. I say that all the time, but I'm going to do it. But in the meantime, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks for coming by. Once again, I'm Jeremy Mikowski. John Litter. And we will see you.